The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. We're live on Chai FM. This is Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. It is the 21st of December, and we've just hit the 10 past midday mark. This is the last show of... 2020 will be back in January 2021 and I couldn't think of a better guest to help us end the year off than Diane Kola Barnard, the Shadow Minister of State Security from the Democratic Alliance. But beforehand, I'd just like to remind you that the views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of Chai FM. Chai FM, your station of choice since 2008. Chai FM has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to giving news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful to children, does not amount to hate speech or the description of gratuitous violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to that code, then you can inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa at P.O. Box 412365, Craig Hall, 2024. That's the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa, P.O. Box 412365, Craig Hall, 2024. Or send an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za. For more information, please visit www.bccsa.co.za. Want to get behind-the-scenes photos? See what happens in studio. Miss the documentary. History will not give the Jewish people another chance. Benjamin Netanyahu at war. Follow High FM on Facebook and Twitter, where we post the links just for you. Alfred Auto. Hello, is that Alan Finger who buys the babies? Uh, what model are you looking to sell? I wouldn't call him a model, but he is my bubbly. And if I sell them still living at home, driving me my sugar, no, will you buy him? Uh, ma'am, we bought cars. Oh, really? Get a wild price for your car. Call Alan Finger on 082-850-0004 or visit www.buyyourbaby.co.za. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to Confidential Brief on Chai FM, live on 101.9 FM in Johannesburg, streaming worldwide on chaifm.com. Joining me all the way from, I think, Durban today is Diane Colabano. Diane, how are you doing? Hello. Yes, indeed, Durban it is. And how's the weather down there? Beautiful as ever. Uh, very hot outside. So many of us just power inside in front of a fan or hopefully under air conditioning. It's very hot. Not so many volleys this year. Well, barely a one. Uh, it, it's this coronavirus has devastated um, the tourism industry. It's devastated little towns, kiosks, from from the smallest earner to the largest earners at the hotels. Uh, it's just devastating, and it's and it's everywhere. We got permission to travel to Mossel Bay in the heart of the of the lockdown when lockdown was at its absolute worst. Um, a suspect yes. that had been been wanted for many years had been spotted there. Information was confirmed. So my colleague and I travelled down with all the necessary permits, etc. First time ever that we were on the highways where there was no traffic, 
And going into Mossel Bay, it was, it was traumatic. I'll be honest with you. It was, it was traumatizing to see the amount of, of businesses that had closed and that had signs on their windows saying permanently closed. We took a drive down the garden route, um, to Neisner and it was exactly the same in the main street in Neisner. And one has to ask the question, do you think that these small businesses will be able to recover? Well, I think that's the million dollar question. Um, if, if you were the owner, uh, of, of a, a block of offices, uh, I think you'd be really sweating right now because many people have been at home and working from home now, uh, for so long that getting them to go back to work in offices, uh, for those who, who do jobs that actually can be run efficiently and effectively online, is going to be very difficult indeed. I mean, there are people who, who have no option, uh, lawyers, doctors, etc., who, who need access to what is in an office. But for many people, they, they're realizing it's actually really convenient to work from home. Uh, then, and as you say, I, I mean, I was, had to go down to Cape Town on, on three occasions recently for weeks of committee work and Getting into the centre, well, into Parliament from Acacia Park, the the old Defence Force base where some of the MPs are based. Um, it took about 15 minutes, and prior to COVID, it was taking well over an hour uh, or more. So the roads are empty, and the signs closed, closed, closed on restaurants and places that one frequented. It, it's heartbreaking what is happening and bring on that vaccine. I, I'm very glad to hear. I think it was your president of Israel just had one. And the moment I can have one, the, 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 I'll be first in the queue. I'm well, I'll put my mother first in the queue, but I will be there. It's, it's horrendous when, when one thinks about the knock on effects and one of the effects you articulated perfectly. And that is the fact that, Certain businesses have realized that they don't need to have their staff housed in offices. They can work perfectly from home or on the road. And we've heard stories where um, companies, in particular industries that would have hired five floors in, a, in an office block, will now only have two floors, one for the, the executive staff and those that need to be on site, one for, for meeting rooms. And the other three floors that would have housed their, their staff, they don't actually need anymore because they can come in at different times should they be needed for meetings and otherwise everything could be held um, remotely via Zoom or Skype. And one particular company wrote that they were saving 40,000 Rand a month just in tea and coffee. So one of the very, very negatives to have come out of this is that companies that do watch their bottom lines are going to be cutting down and it's the real estate agents that are going to be battling to, to, to rent out property next year. Yes, I think you're spot on. Uh, it's, it's, it's devastating for that particular sector. And hopefully, as always happens in some one disaster or another, other areas of expertise become apparent. Um, hopefully now there will be a boom in, in businesses. I mean, everybody has the phrase indelibly etched into their mind. You are on mute. Um, people haven't quite reached the same, the stage of saying, put your damn microphone on. Uh, but everybody thinks it. So 
it's become the norm. And think back seven months, and it would have been the most bizarre thing on the planet to hold regular meetings by Zoom. Uh, Parliament was was very sniffy and iffy about holding any uh, parliamentary sittings or any committee meetings via Zoom. Um, it, it didn't help that they messed up one of the first meetings and that porn was shown on a meeting uh, held by the the chief whip um, of the ANC, obviously, but that was then explained that you don't share uh, access around. And since then, with the, with the DA pushing and pushing and pushing, we have held numerous parliamentary sittings, uh, committee sittings. Uh, everything is almost back on track as far as Parliament goes. Uh, obviously, I, I imagine there will be no opening of Parliament uh, as as one imagines it to be. There will be none of that pomp and circumstance and what have you, uh, because now, of course, with the second wave, I think we're back down to 100 in a gathering, uh, but even that, frankly, is, is, from my opinion, too much. Uh, we saw how it was spread back to Gauteng by matriculants coming to KZN, doing their partying, taking it home, and it's been catastrophic. So easy to spread, easy to spread. And I'm sadly hearing that, that youngsters are now being attacked in, in a quite vicious manner by, uh, by the virus, whereas previously one only expected to hear those with comorbidities, uh, asthma, uh, etc., being affected so, so badly. So, and excuse the barking of the dog, but that comes with being online. That comes One with these the jokes, re- that yes. comes with these remote meetings. Who can forget that CNN interview where the little boy and the little girl ran in while the chap was having his interview, and the whole world got to see these toddlers. But um, one yes. good thing that I think that, that has come out of the, the, the Zoom and the Skyping is the fact that people are doing a lot more online courses, and we've seen a lot more webinars that are applicable to, to certain um, important subjects where, where people weren't able to take an hour out their day to travel to a specific place. And now with these webinars, anyone in the world can join in, and they've had some really, really hard-hitting topics. Yes, I think they're, they're quite splendid. I've been on, on numerous ones um, talking about policing and and the the committee that I'm now on uh, state security and the like and um, people now have as you say the time to sit and focus on an hour-long um, discussion by top experts in various fields so yes it, it that's been one of the offshoots and as I said let's hope that the the offshoots create sufficient intelligence, uh, sufficient employment, sufficient advertising revenue, etc., that will, that will see us making up for what we have lost. Because what we have lost, we, we, we've, we're living in ghost towns now, and uh, except shopping malls are packed, but of course the beach is, is now apparently a threat because COVID can tell the time. And it knows when you must not be there and when you, when you must be there. So we have the, again these bizarre decisions taken. I'm expecting them to ban slip slops any day again now, uh, and perhaps sleeveless t-shirts. Those are some of the, 
finer moments Oi. that we've been lived through. Well, I'm sitting in studio wearing a vest, slip slops, and shorts. So oh, let's, you're in big trouble. So I'm, yeah. I could be in trouble. We're going to send the COVID police after you. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about PPE corruption in the midst of a crisis. And then later in the show, we're going to be talking everything to do with state security. We'll be back after this. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Ensure complete peace of mind this holiday season by entrusting your valuables with Knox Safe Custody and Art Storage. Conveniently located in Houghton, call Knox today on 011-646-1919 and receive a complimentary High FM listener's discount. That number again, 011-646-1919. You're listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. Today I'm in conversation with Diane Cola Barnard, and we're chatting before we went to break about the devastating effects of COVID. And one of the, the things that it brings to mind, and I think this is what's been very disheartening for so many people, is that they haven't got to see people over the years that they've been putting off, putting off, putting off. And I think the last time I saw you in person, Diane, was when Glendon and I traveled down to visit you at Parliament, and it must be close on a decade ago. And and these things start popping into one's mind. You know, we've had telephone chats, we chat on, on social media, but people tend to, to forget that you still need that, that personal interaction. You know, I think one of the biggest things I miss is hugging people. Uh, that was just a very normal thing I would do to all my friends and people that I saw regularly uh, would always hug them hello, and now – you literally have to stop yourself and stop others hugging you and and it this that distance is is i think possibly doing a damage to our human psyche uh we need physical contact and it's 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 very difficult and something i'm personally battling with and i think many people who have gone extended periods of time without seeing family members yeah, look, it's fine to see them on a screen and wave at their children or their grandchildren or whatever, um, but the knowledge that they will not be able to fly to Australia to see their grandchildren or America to see whoever, or even uh, to travel to a town not so far away uh, is is heavy. It's a heavy burden for individuals to carry. Yeah, I think you described it best by using the word heavy. It's, it, it is sad. It's something that we've had to, to learn to accept. But I think going forward, a lot more people are going to realize the importance of that personal interaction and the importance of, of, of family and friend time. We need to get on to the order of business today, and that is the fact that you are a long-term parliamentarian. Um, you've held some very important um, shadow portfolios um, in your time in Parliament. And one of the most important portfolios that you, you now hold is that of Shadow Minister of State Security. Before we get to state security, let's talk about PPE corruption. Um, mm. The writing was on the wall that there was going to be massive PPE fraud worldwide. There were Interpol um, warnings that had come out. Even before the vaccine came out more recently, there were warnings of, of black market vaccines that would be made available. Despite all these warnings, how in God's name did South Africa fall into the trap of losing hundreds of millions, if not billions of rands in PPE fraud and corruption? Oh, come, Chad, we didn't fall into a trap. 
um, we we simply switched on a well-oiled machine. This country has been looting hundreds of millions uh, over the past 15 years. Listen for 10 minutes to the Zondo Commission. You'll find out where it came from and where it went to. So it was for some reason because – not for some reason – because that Zuma fist had a stranglehold on our law enforcement agencies right the way through, through police, through the courts, through the prisons, uh, people acted with impunity. And uh, thankfully, slowly but surely, those fingers have been prized apart and the cadres have been left to, to drop on the floor. And we're starting to see some action now. We're starting to see people being arrested for the the massive looting, but it was inevitable that uh, that a system that had been perfected to such an extent would simply turn its sights onto the PPE, and uh, that's exactly what it's done. No question, uh, there will be there will be uh, vaccines for sale to the highest bidder. There will be, and be they fake or not, it it will happen. And one has to really just stay on one's toes. And thankfully now we're starting to see people being picked up. And those cases that have been left on the back burner, pushed even off the back plate uh, under the previous regime, have now been put back on the front plate. And we're seeing people like Richard Mdluli suddenly appearing in court and uh, his looting of the crime intelligence slush fund. Uh, that case is coming up. Uh, so... Issues that when they had the protection, this wasn't happening. The protection has now been removed. However, there are so many people who have been trained in, in criminality uh, in this country that it's going to take a huge, huge political will to, to sweep out the Aegean stable. So I'm listening to what you're saying and, and, and talking about the slash fund. We know that ex-general Sully Lazarus was, was sentenced to a custodial sentence last week in respect of the plundering of the crime intelligence slash fund. And there's more people to follow, most probably. And that, that is an ongoing case. But when it comes to the whole PPE, you know, judging by the, the reaction of the public, I thought it would have been a bigger outcry. I don't know if South Africans have just become jaded, if they've become numb, if they've become insensitive to fraud and corruption. But we thought we had turned the corner with, with the likes of the Zondo Commission, with the fact that the AFU have, have issued so many preservation orders or been successful in preservation order applications, the fact that the SIU is investigating so hard. We've seen some huge people in respect of law enforcement being arrested, being charged by the Hawks um, and the National Prosecuting Authority. So when one sees a pandemic and one hears about a fraud and a corrupt act involving something that's there to save lives. It was bad enough that people weren't getting services delivered, but now life-saving equipment, the money's being siphoned. Am, am I the only one that this took by surprise, or, or is everybody just so desensitized that it was, yep, it was bound to happen? Oh, come on, Chad, you're not that naive. Uh, you're, you're the one who puts these guys behind bars, uh, but a, a small amount has been fixed to date. The Zondo Commission is is revealing issues, but it's it's going to be a long time before those issues result in arrests of top people. Some people have been arrested, a handful, a veritable handful. Uh, but as I say, people in South Africa, 
I think when you said the word numb, I think that that about sums it up. You know, the first the first time you hear we've hit 45 murders a day, you're like, oh my heavens! Now that we're up to 58, it's well, that's what we do here. Uh, you, you can't go on being shocked and shocked and shocked. Um, I mean, you you can't be a Cyril who says he's shocked every single time he finds out the trains don't work yep. or issues are, are falling apart in in every municipality. You're very um, right. You're very right. You can't. Um, the fact is that that as much as I anticipated there would be fraud and corruption involving PPE. It, it came as a surprise that it was at such a high level and that it was so blatant. You've got companies that, that had been deregistered. You had companies that had directors who had died. Um, and all these companies, it was like they were waiting in keen mm. anticipation of the floodgates opening, waiting, knowing that the checks and balances were going to be even less this time around because it was an emergency situation. And that's what I can't yes. wrap my mind around. How do you... Steal money that's meant to give life-saving equipment to people. This is this is the part I can't wrap my mind around. Well, it's it's, it's in this instance particularly evil, uh, but but no more evil, I don't think, than than you know looting looting money out of an entity that that well look at the Eastern Cape, their their health department's bankrupt. Where do you think the money went? It's all been looted. That's looting money that should be keeping people alive. Uh, and, and one can go through every single entity and say, but money was stolen here. This is what it would have done. These are the houses it would have built. This is the water it would have delivered. These are the children it would have educated. I can go on and on and on, and the money's been stolen. So, no, it's no surprise to me. The fact that there are people who will steal and make a profit in, in, through, stole, through stealing uh, of, of entities that will save people's lives uh, is revolting. But it's something that actually it's been a, an, a form of sexual grooming, frankly, uh, of this country. And people are simply expected now. It's absolutely disgusting. And like you said, people are being groomed and it's now the expected. Yes. And it shouldn't be like that. Let's talk about state security. For those of the listeners that don't understand why we have a, a state security portfolio, and I think maybe sometimes the word security throws them off, can you define to our listeners what is state security? Sure. Now, what, what I sit on um, is called the Joint Standing Committee. Um, and this Joint Standing Committee on, on security is is a number of, MPs, usually quite seasoned MPs, who have to go through top security vetting and everything, uh, attached to machines and lie detectors and heaven knows what all, and then we are sworn not to reveal anything um, from that committee that, that, that may endanger our country. So obviously I won't be revealing anything like that or referring to what goes on um, in terms of discussions in those meetings. Uh, but our mandate as a committee is to oversee intelligence, the state security agency, which would be both domestic and, and international intelligence, uh, the defense intelligence and crime intelligence that falls under the SAPS. So having been Shadow Minister of Police for around 11 years, um, I focused at that time a great deal on on crime intelligence and 
lived through the whole Richard and Bluely saga, and he, of course, represented all that was wrong in our justice cluster. And, uh, frankly, I've seen the lists. It's a veritable cornucopia of crimes. Uh, but they were all swept under the carpet and hidden, and until such time as it eventually comes to court, um, he will go on living with his boosted... Uh, well, of course, he was found guilty of that inconvenient murder, but I think, uh, to my mind, what the hiding of what he had done under crime intelligence was another of the great evils. Now, the the rather murky state security agency has made Mdluli look like a rank amateur, um, because through that, and if you haven't read Jacques Poe's book, The President's Keepers, um, do. Uh, and then make sure you're sitting down when you read it, because well over a billion, if not more, um, has been looted uh, through that. And um, it's it's really quite um, extraordinary, looted through the intelligence slush fund. And uh, while that department uh, should have looked at both domestically and internationally to, quote, the high-level review panel report on the State Security Agency. And that was released by our president in December 2018. And he encouraged all South Africans to read it. You can easily access it online. Um, that, with its panel of, of 10 experts in all, all the relevant fields, basically asked what the hell happened here, what happened, and how did this come about. So I'm interested to know that your committee doesn't just look at state security from the civilian agency perspective, that being um, the merger of the old National Intelligence Agency, which was domestic, the old South African Secret Service, which was foreign, into what's now the super agency, the state security agency, but that you also look into the, the intelligence function of crime intelligence component within the police. And also, which came as a complete surprise to me, is that you also look at the defense intelligence agency. Yes, of course. I, mm. I, I was always under the impression that the military operate independently of these, of all these agencies and that they would account to the, the, to the ministers in respect of the military, the, the minister of military veterans and, and associated, um, uh, 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 ministries. Uh, so, so there was a story that broke last week relating to the Defense Intelligence Agency. Should we take, mm -hmm. it, it, that, that was a scary story. It hasn't received yes. much mileage, I suppose, because it was broken by, um, independence and independence at the moment people are looking at, um, through, 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 <laughs> through a microscope in respect of some of their reporting, which has been quite strange to say the least. But the report that came out last week, um, alleged that billions of rands have, have also been taken out of the Defense Intelligence Fund? Well, yes. Um, look, the, the, um, the Defense Force, they, they have their Defense Committee and uh, all the relevant entities answer to that. Uh, ditto with the police and Crime Intelligence answers to the Police Portfolio Committee. However, there are there's a great deal of information that is far too sensitive to share simply to openly in the public to put into annual reports. Uh, if you were attempting to um, do something to South Africa, then all you'd have to do is buy an annual report and read it, and you'd have all, all the information, including the relevant financial information that would be able to allow you to determine 
the weaknesses and strengths of that particular entity. So obviously a great deal of information has to be kept to one side and kept quiet about uh, the the high-level report did say there, there's a disproportionate application of secrecy in this committee and in the state security agency. Um, and and I think that, to a large extent, ha- has has been the exactly the same way crime intelligence slush fund was used, exactly the same way that the defense uh, slush fund has been looted. It is because of this uh, this excuse. Oh, I can't uh, tell you because uh, it may it may in some way damage the country. But of course, what they're not telling you is that they're looting the funds and not paying the relevant people who who they should be. I mean, we should be at this stage with defence focused on the issue going on in Mozambique, and yet we're being told. In the defence committee, not in the, not for me, but with my colleague, um, and Kubis Marais says, well, you know, they're, they're saying that they've the, the money situation is dire. They can't afford to replace X, Y, and Z within the defence force or upgrade, etc. And to then hear that they've had huge amounts looted, exactly as happened in the police. Uh, through the crime intelligence slash fund is just sickening. It's absolutely yes. sickening. And it's only if you're, if you're, if you have this expectation of understanding, if you are someone who is, is looking at these issues regularly, that you will know how serious that is. And for the average Joe in the street, why would you have the slightest interest? That's why a story like that will have no legs. Well, that is, that Why is, would someone be interested in that? It's, it's extremely disconcerting. You've already touched on something yes. that we're going to be chatting about after the break, and that is threats to, to the Republic. Um, obviously, what you can and cannot talk about, we understand, but you've already raised the one question, which was Mozambique, and then we have another question, which relates to, to cyber hacking. We're going to be back straight after this. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. This is Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. I'm very fortunate today to be joined on the line by Diane Colabarnard, who sits on the committee and, and holds the shadow portfolio of State Security Minister in South Africa. Um, before we went to break, Diane, we mentioned um, the issues of Mozambique. And I think, it's a, again, it's something that doesn't seem to be in mainstream media as much as one would expect. Literally on our doorstep, well, not quite, but we have our neighbors. We have a, 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 a transnational or transfrontier park separating us. But just in the north of Mozambique, the Islamic State have taken root. What is this about? Well, it's not, not so much taken root as taken over. Um, you know, thousands. If I'm a great fan of of Defence Web, and um, if you look at the 17th uh, Defence Web, 570,000 people fleeing their homes from Cabo Delgado, um, and uh, you know they keep on vowing to deal with the insurgents, and they keep getting seriously damaged by them. And, you know, Islamic State, they're burning people to death. They're doing the things that we saw previously. And whether it, it, these people are now taking over entire towns as they go. 
whether they're aiming um, to to utilize the gas reserves. Of course, it's we're talking gas, rubies, um, and and some other precious entities in in Mozambique, and we're seeing hundreds of thousands of people displaced, and it is literally uh, across our border and 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 up north a bit. It's so of course it's a huge issue, and it's of course it's something that that this country is focusing on to make sure. I mean, this I don't think any country in its right mind will will ever want another Vietnam, where you have a country involved in another country's battles year after year, and your own people are dying, and you're eventually the civilians are saying, "Why must I go and fight someone else's battle for them?" But we need to know that we are able and prepared to to prevent anyone infiltrating this country. Now, if, like me, you've gone along the borders and you have filmed people from, let's see, Swaziland, uh, strolling into the country by the hundreds, and our army stands by and watches um, the ditto, there are, there are places where people just stroll through the fences all, all over the place. Uh, we don't have borders. So this could well be a major issue. Uh, I, I, all I can say is that, that South Africa is seized with, with trying to ensure that we remain a sovereign nation. Uh, I don't know what today's relationship is with Mozambique. There's been something of a history of not getting on terribly well, but, uh, it, it's something that there are a lot of eyes on. Let's put it that way. Well, what you just described is a humanitarian crisis. Over half a million people have been displaced. Tie into that the, 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 the funding for this terrorism needs to come from somewhere. So you're going to see an uptake in, in things like human trafficking. You're going to see poaching on a huge scale moving across into, into the Trans-Frontier um, National Parks. You're going to see um, pillaging like we've already seen. And it becomes not just an issue of, of maintaining our sovereign status – but we could have a crisis with refugees coming into the country, and we could even have a crisis on our very border. Do you think we prepared for such a crisis? Well, look, discussing discussing this issues with my colleagues on on the defence defence portfolio committee, um, they they say that there are people training and uh, ready. But again, I think uh, the the whole looting that is situation that has got so out of hand in this country um, has seen our defense force diminished as far as capacity is concerned, as far as equipment is concerned. So that that is a problem. The UN refugee agency is looking at this very carefully, but you know what's happened in Zimbabwe, the place they come to for jobs, for to survive, to eat, uh, is South Africa. Uh, Swaziland, uh, six, seven hundred a day just at the place I was standing at, and that trebles on the day that we, the country pays out the grants, which means there are many people who still get uh, South African grants who don't live here. They live in Swaziland. I'm sh- quite sure the same is, is the same with Mozambique, but you may well find that more and more people flood down from Mozambique into South Africa uh, for survival. And uh, what are you going to do? Say, go home and, and fight ISIS. Uh, we, we need to be prepared for this humanitarian crisis that is on our doorstep. Absolutely horrendous and something that we hope comes 2021. We have a clear indication of what the SADC and the AU plan on doing 
um, in this crisis because we're not alone in this and so we cannot be left alone. Moving on to what's, what's happened in America over the past week, this massive hack supposedly from Russia of some of the most critical state security infrastructure in America, including um, their nuclear boards, um, documentation from the CIA, from the FBI, from Homeland Security. What do you think is going on? And and I ask this question, and it's not tongue-in-cheek, forgive me, but is South Africa and our government and our agencies secure from such an international cyber attack? Well, look, um, I have been pushing on for years on the need to uh, expand the cybercrime entity, uh, for example, within the SAPs. Uh, I know that our banks are under constant attack, and a bank may lose half a million in a matter of seconds. Of course, you will never hear about it publicly, because what bank is about to tell you that, that they just had half a million siphoned off by some unknown person in some unknown country? They will never do that. Uh, so they are tightening up their uh, protocols. But whether or not we have the capacity in our other entities uh, to, you know, it's a real wake-up call. If if uh, people are able to hack American systems, which are known as some of the best in the world, uh, what chance have we got? And I, I don't know that there's anything anybody would want to hack. Uh, here, I don't know that there's anything uh, that they would feel the need to steal, um, unlike other global entities. So, but I do know that we have recently passed, I think in the last month or two, the cybercrime legislation, uh, or it's, it's either just being passed or on the verge of being passed. It, um, it, it would go a great a great way towards uh, assisting various of the departments to protect their uh, intellectual property. So, yes, it's a huge issue. And I think it, it's the same as, uh, let's say, the cash and transit heists. When the SAPs get on top of the cash and transit heists, and, of course, cash being moved around is, is like dangling a a fish in front of a shark, uh, once they have got on top of that, the criminals simply move. They go back to bombing ATMs or they, they went through a stage of attacking as, as the, the individuals left the armored truck to take the cash to the ATM. That was the weak point and they started attacking that particular point. So they will always be probing for the the easy easier target and uh, criminals are experts in what they do the syndicates uh, I, I attended one particularly brilliant lecture in in Bangkok and this man is a global expert on the subject was saying you have to put your mind into that of the criminal. They don't see borders. There are no borders. South Africans will stop at the border into another country. They will simply carry on. They will fly over or drive over or use a boat to go around. Their borders are irrelevant. And they see the world as their playground. And they can outshoot, outdrive, outfly, and basically outmaneuver virtually any uh, security entity in the world. So that is what we're up against. And uh, I don't know how ready we are, but if there was a major cyber attack, I, 
I would find it very hard to believe that we were 100% prepared for that. Diane, this was somewhat of a distressing conversation. But there's, there, there were a lot of, well, we have to be realistic. Um, you know, I, yes. I, I've become somewhat jaded and, and numb like we spoke about earlier. And one of the things that, that, that we spoke about today that still took me by surprise is the fact that when people are corrupt, nothing's going to stop them. No thought for those that have less than them. And that's why we see this huge divide between the haves and the have nots in South Africa. And I think if, yes. if, if the theft of, of money meant for PPE hasn't opened people's eyes, then I don't think anything's going to open their eyes. And we just hope that, that things are going to change for the better. In closing, um, we'd like to wish you compliments of the season. And um, our, our listeners really, really would have enjoyed this conversation today because you gave us insight that you wouldn't be able to, to get anywhere else but from a person who, who is involved with it on a daily basis. So thank you so much for that. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've been a great fan of yours for many years. So strength to you, uh, to your arm, and uh, and keep up your good work. Um, but I think, let me tell you, when when we start seeing a couple of the big ones, the big fish uh, in an orange uniform, the the numbness will dissipate like the morning mist, and suddenly people will start being proud again of being South Africans. And that's, I think, what we need to aim for for 2021. That was the Honorable Diane Kolobarnod, Member of Parliament um, for South Africa and a person with some valuable insight into what is happening in South Africa from a fraud, corruption, and most importantly, safety and security perspective. We'll be back in the new year, 2021. We'd like to take this opportunity to wish everybody well over the holidays. And um, we hope that you are safe and secure and you take the COVID warnings as seriously as they should be taken. This is not just a second wave. This is life and death that we're talking about. You've been listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. And today I was in conversation with Diane Kolobarnard. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.